the suspense for you right now. Jeff Carter will not score 53.3 goals this coming season. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. Carter was a godsend upon arrival, and I mean immediately upon arrival. He made an impact in every way on the rink, even before he began pumping home goals as if he were 10 years younger than he actually was at age 36. Carter ending up with 13 goals in 20 games, including playoffs. Four of those, of course, coming in the six-game first round against the Islanders. He was outstanding in every way. And I have at least something of a fear that the expectations for him are going to be, in turn, unreasonable when it comes to his first full season in Pittsburgh. Look at it this way. He was 36. He's going to turn 37. His birthday is actually on New Year's Day. Before coming to Pittsburgh last season, he had eight goals in 40 games for the Kings and was somewhat semi-relegated to bottom six duty. And before that, it had been five years. It's still been five years since Carter's had a 20-goal season, although he did have 17 in a 60-game span in 2019-20. Look, he can still play. He can obviously still score. But I wonder how much is fair for the Penguins to project out of Carter, or or if he really needs to be measured entirely by his goal production. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by Fubo TV. Monthly cost of cables over two hundred bucks. Fubo TV is sixty five bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT and T, Sportsnet, Pittsburgh. And for a limited time, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven day free trial and fifteen percent off your first month by going to fubotv.com/dk. One more time, that's fifteen percent off your first month by going to fubotv.com. Slash DK Carter's a well-rounded player, and I think we got to see that. He's been known for years as a shoot-first type, so he's got a reputation as something of a gunner. But there was something almost cathartic about that specific trait coming to Pittsburgh that no matter how often Carter would just shoot the puck from anywhere— it still never seemed like enough within the context of the team he was playing for, you know, because the Penguins just never shoot enough. And here comes this guy, all he does is shoot. 
but he can do different things. We saw that he was good on faceoffs. We saw that he was physical. We saw that he stood up for his teammates. We saw that he could make plays. He's always been a good playmaker, able to find space, able to read other people's plays, which, by the way, is also a part of being a playmaker. You might recall a power play goal that he scored against the Islanders up on Long Island where he read an exceptional pass, an elite pass that was made by Evgeny Malkin. Drifted toward it, got it, turned, whipped it in. Just a beautiful play by two terrific players. Playmaking comes on both ends of that. He is all that. And if you'll further recall, in the first couple of games that he showed up after the trade, he did so many good things and created so much offense on his own that you didn't even really mind that he wasn't putting the puck in the net right away. That, of course, came eventually. Will it keep coming? Can it keep coming? I mean, aside from the obvious, which is that he's kind of getting up there in age, if he isn't already past there, by every account, he's going to be the one who takes over for Malkin on the second line, centering the second line to open the season as nobody's expecting Malkin to be recovered from his knee surgery by then. So there's some additional pressure there, although I don't think anything that we saw from Carter would suggest that he'd have a challenge facing down any kind of pressure. And maybe he's also going to get some time on the power play. I would certainly hope that he does. It's not like he doesn't have experience there. And for that matter, the goal that I just described to you on Long Island was with Carter on the first team power play. And he seemed like he fit in just fine with the Penguins PP1 guys. So there are, there are some positives, but there's also, in addition to the age, there's, there is a real ledger from Los Angeles that suggested a player who was on the understandable decline. At the same time where we can absorb and appreciate that there was an understandable emotional lift in coming from L.A. to Pittsburgh and being immediately inserted into a situation where he'd be contending, going to a team that was trying to and eventually did win the division, that he was going to be a little bit extra amped up, that he was going to maybe feel a little bit more confident, he was going to have some new eyes on him, new people cheering for him. I would just suggest at this stage that looking at Carter's seasons of the past five, six years where he was in the range of around 15 to 17 goals is way, way, way more realistic than having any kind of dreams that he could continue doing what he did when he first showed up. He is an all-around really, really good hockey player.
and he's going to be able to bring to the Penguins a lot of things that they lacked before he came. Not just one thing, a lot of things that he lacked. But, but, I have to throw in one really big asterisk in all of this. There's a part of me, and I don't care how renegade this sounds, there's a part of me that would love to see him get a chance at some point when Gino's back and healthy on Sid's right wing. Because what you would address immediately there is the lack of size on that line, but also, again, the lack of a frequent reflexive shooter who's capable of going through the middle of the ice. If you'll recall, in the playoffs, what made the Islanders' defense mostly effective, not entirely, but mostly, against Sid's line is that they kept Jake and Rust to the outsides. They didn't, especially Jake, they were just pummeling him. Anytime he was anywhere near the puck or getting near the slot, they were just crushing him. They were determined to not let him be part of the outcome of that series. With Carter, they really couldn't do anything because who was going to do that? Who's going to keep Carter out of their slot if he wants to go there? So I, I just think there's a different way that you can set this up where Carter becomes part of your first line and you kind of load up there and you don't worry as much about what's on your bottom six. But if you do... And maybe you have a little bit of a tug of war between Rust and Kapanen for second line right wing. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm looking for different ways to overcome whatever few things I thought went wrong that weren't goaltending against the Islanders. And utilizing Jeff Carter, especially when you get to the bigger games, to the playoff games, in a max capacity, seems like a pretty good idea. But then... Everything I just said flew in the face of what I said before, right? Because we're supposed to be tamping down expectations. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. That's brought to you always by... The very good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they are committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. And they, in turn, need you. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org to find out how these folks can turn $1 into five full meals for those in need. pittsburghfoodbank.org and spell all that out by the way, when you type it in. question comes from Jim, who asks, was Ron Hextall's goal to get Brandon Tanev's contract off the books because they didn't really save much by getting his replacement? You know what, Jim? You're right. And on the long list of things that have been mystifying, about Hextall's offseason, this, for now, is on there. Because Brock McGinn is going to make 
$2.75 million annually over the next four years. Brandon Tanev, now in Seattle, but wherever it is that he ends up, is going to make $3.5 million over exactly the same term, meaning four more years. Now, there's one obvious advantage that McGinn would have over Tanev in this scenario, and that's that McGinn is two years younger. Tanev, at the end of his contract, is going to be 33 years old. And I don't care how turbo your engine is, it's going to start slowing down sometime before that. So the Penguins, if they did, in the back of their minds or maybe even planned out, let Tanev go because they preferred McGinn and they got him for $750,000 less each year and at two years younger, then that actually might be something. But it doesn't explain putting two guys out there, you know, and losing Tanev and McCann. You didn't need to do that. You didn't need to lose two guys in the expansion draft. It says so right there in the rules. You only have to lose one. None of that made sense. Uh, you know, I guess you could go and, and, and extrapolate it further. This is why this becomes more complicated, Jim. The moment you ask that question, and it sounds like, oh, one for one, sure, that makes sense. But you keep going, and you see the McCann factor, and then you see uh, from a positive standpoint that they were able to keep and committed themselves to keep both Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston Reese, who are at least according to advanced analytics people, and it's something that I happen to agree with, the drivers on the Aston Reese Bluger Tanav line, then you have something. But then you see letting Cody Cece walk away for a song. Then you see not addressing goaltending, and it all just becomes a great big mess again. Now you've got a bunch of left-handed defensemen, whereas you had something figured out with CC and Mike Matheson paired. And you have Matheson, who is a headless chicken unless he's got a partner with him who can be reliable the way CC was. And now you've got a way bigger problem in trying to find another one of those for Matheson, or you're wasting $6.5 million in addition to Someone who can be, as Matheson showed, a real talent. And if it sounds like I'm flying all over the place here and giving you this answer, it's because that's how I think of this offseason. I think of it as having flown all over the place. That we can look at different little isolated moves and say, oh, yes, that one made sense. But what you don't see at the end, and you still don't see right now, is a solution for the defense situation that I just mentioned and upgraded goaltending, which only should have been priorities number one, two, three, four, and five this summer for this management team. The only move that was made on that front was changing goaltending coaches, and I don't feel like that's going to be enough. I appreciate the question, Jim. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. <laughs>